0: You're listening to the Journey to Launch podcast, how dumpster diving and house hacking is fueling Charlie's journey to financial freedom. T minus 10 seconds. Welcome to the Journey to Launch podcast with your host, Jamila Soufrant, as a money expert who walks her talk. She helps brave journeyers like you get out of debt, save, invest, and build real wealth. Join her on the journey to launch to financial freedom in,
1: in five, four, three, two, one. 2,
0: Hey, 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 journeyers. Welcome to the Journey to Launch podcast. If you're a returning journeyer, you already know what's up. You know that I love bringing you different types of conversations and insights to reaching financial freedom. And if you're new to the podcast, welcome. I'm so excited to have you here. Now, one of the things that has always helped me succeed in life in general, and I see it as a common thread and factor to anyone that I've interviewed on this show, is that they can draw inspiration and tactics and just knowledge from anywhere. And one of the things that I love doing, and this is why I have such a diverse range of guests on this show, is I want to show you all assets, like all the assets and tools that you could possibly use on your journey. Now, it doesn't mean that you have to do everything one person does, or something might be a little bit extreme to you and something you might not think you want to do. But I really urge you to like listen. Try to listen to episodes, even where the title seems a little like, wait a second, I don't think I can relate to that. Give it a try. That happens often where I have something and someone says, I don't know if I relate to that. And then they listen. And I challenge you like to not walk away with something. And so this episode actually was really intriguing for me, because when I first uh, heard about Charlie, when he first reached out and told me a little bit about what he does, I was so just amazed because, you know, Charlie, so just to give you a little bit more background on Charlie, Charlie has a passion for environmental conservation, and he actually dumpster dives for a majority of his grocery needs. And I was like, what, what is this? Cause in my head, I had one thought of what dumpster diving was. And when I spoke to Charlie after really d- diving deep into his story, I walked away with a whole new, fresh perspective. And so I want you to be open. Basically, if you think that like dumpster diving is something you would never do, I really actually want you to listen to Charlie because even if you don't do that, what he does, I am pretty sure if you, if you just like give a listen, you'll find something you can probably apply to your life. So just a little bit more about Charlie before we get into it. Charlie currently lives in Orlando, Florida, where he works a standard nine to five at an environmental consulting firm. But at night, he dumpster dives at local chain grocery stores. And he is a journeyer. And I want you to hear his story. So I'm excited to talk to him and to just share his story with you. Now, before we get into the episode, if you want any of the topics or articles that we talk about, you can go to the episode show notes at journeytolaunch.com slash episode 102. That's journeytolaunch.com slash episode 102. There you'll be able to find some links that myself or Charlie mentioned throughout the episode. And as always, follow me at journeytolaunch. I'm journeytolaunch on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. All right, so without further ado, let's hop into this conversation with Charlie. Hey, Journeyers, excited to bring you another Journeyer profile. Today, we are speaking to Journeyer Charlie Pioli. Hi, Charlie.
1: Hi, Jamila.
0: (laughs) So, Charlie, we communicated first um, via just like messaging on Facebook. And the one thing that stuck out for me about your story, and I was like, oh, I had to talk to Charlie, is because you mentioned that you dumpster dive. And that is such a foreign concept to me. I mean, I know that people do it. And when I read through more of your your blog and when you sent me in more of your details, I could see like the benefits. We're going to talk about the benefits, but it's such a different world for me. And I just want to learn more about it. And I feel like that's why I love bringing on different perspectives and stories, because I think it's through learning through different people doing different things that we can then pick and choose and what we want to do on our journey. So first of all, welcome to the show. I can't wait to hear more about your story.
1: Yeah, it's super exciting to be here. Thanks for inviting me. And yep, I do remember seeing you post that on Facebook of that guy in Southeast Asia who also dumpster dived. And I think I just responded, Oh, yeah, I do that too. And basically, that has been incorporated into my life for about a a year now. I go to the grocery store. Very rarely to buy anything, maybe once every four months, just to buy the essentials for cooking like olive oil or, you know, I don't find too much garlic, unfortunately. And uh, I have to have that garlic. But yeah, it's a steady supply. And if I had to equate it, probably saves me about 50, 60 bucks each week in groceries.
0: Mm hmm. And you said um, that you found over 800 pounds of food items since November 1st of last year, 2018, right?
1: Correct. Yeah, I've been uh, actually quantifying it and I'll bring it back to my house, weigh it on a scale, mark it up on my my tracker and then, you know, put it in my fridge.
0: Okay. All right. So I know there are people listening like what? You know, what is what? Cause in my head, like I live in New York City. So the thought of it is what kind of like puts me on a place where I'm just like, I can't imagine that, but I know it's a different like from what my perception is versus what the reality is. And so can you explain like what that's like? So you're going to a like major grocer. So it's not like you're going through like people's individual like trash, right? It's like you're going to the grocer's dumpster and you're getting what seems to be, because you're getting a lot of it, really good products, right? Like to use.
1: Yeah, I have a a go-to dumpster, which is a steady supply of vegetables and fruits. So my diet has really become pretty diverse uh, with things I normally wouldn't buy at the grocery store. And also it's become very healthy, like a lot of just good produce. But Yeah, I could see there are a lot of people who look at dumpster diving. They look down upon it. And I think that really comes from people not knowing what it it really entails. I know in New York City, they have uh, tours. You can go on dumpster diving tours with this freegans group. And I would recommend people just need to get a firsthand experience.
0: Right. And see, I didn't even know about that kind of tour living here in New York City. So, okay, so let's dive deeper in. Let's kind of go back a little bit. We're going to get more into your story. We're going to talk about your FI journey. But let's talk about just like how you started. Like what, because you said it's been like a year. So what prompted you to say, oh, you know, I'm going to start doing this and incorporating it in my life?
1: Well, I should mention that my, my job is, I'm a solid waste and recycling consultant. So my day job includes sorting waste at large-scale landfills and transfer stations. I was just in New York last fall sorting all the residential waste. So some of your waste, Jamila, might have come ah. across my table. <laughs> uh, but it's, uh, it, it was just a passion, and then it became a hobby. And now it's become like, part of my FI journey to save money and uh, just lower my expenses, eat healthier, I started an Instagram to post what I cook with it, as well as what I bring in from like a night's haul. And there's a huge community of dumpster divers around the country and around the world that I've met through Instagram. You know, we just share stories. Um, if I'm ever in Milwaukee or Pennsylvania, they said, yeah, you can come to my dumpster and I'll, I'll give you the dumpster tour.
0: Mm hmm. Okay, so I want to go back to like your job. So your job as sorting like waste. What does that look like? Is that actually like you in the I don't know what's called in the the wasteland? Like, what is that called?
1: Yeah, we do academic studies called waste characterization studies. Municipalities uh, want to know what kind of materials are being generated and what's in their waste stream. So we'll sort it into categories and get data points on uh, what materials are in their waste stream, which is valuable to these municipalities when they're thinking of their education programs or they're thinking, uh, should we ban styrofoam or plastic bags? Like how much is even in our waste stream? Would it have an effect?
0: Okay, this is also fascinating to me. And I think it's kind of cool that how long have you been in that job or career?
1: I moved to Orlando for the job specifically about two years ago, and I I moved from Boston.
0: Okay, so obviously, or I should ask, when seeing that kind of waste, is that what prompted you to say, wow, like there is so much like wastefulness going on that that's what kind of started you on this path to dumpster diving and zero waste?
1: Yeah, yeah, just wanting to make a larger impact. And I was hyper aware of it, you know, more so than your average person. And I'm the type of guy who just goes around and, you know, if I see a aluminum can lying on the sidewalk, I'll just pick it up and put it in the nearest recycle bin. I guess I'm weird. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, and you know, so I was um I'd spoken to Catherine on a previous episode about just sustainable living and zero waste. And we had just brought up the fact that we don't see our waste often like we you know we see our garbage but we take it out when it gets to be too much and then it gets taken away somewhere else and so we don't see as a people as a community what our real waste looks like like if that kind of waste you know I I said maybe if we had to like pile up all our waste in our backyard or in our front of our house so everyone else could see for like a week like it stayed and so like it's in your face it's not something you just like brush away it would make us come to the realization that you know wow like we probably are wasteful people and it would change our habits. And so you are in a job where you are seeing like so much waste. And so like for you, that's what happened. Like you see it and you're just like, okay, like this is probably ridic- This is ridiculous. And there must be a better way to consume.
1: Yeah, I would say there is a huge disconnect between people and their waste. I mean, I, I know dumpster divers who aren't working in this similar field. Uh, maybe it comes out of necessity or a different reason, but I could say that's how I became motivated to uh, find the local dumpsters and actually peek my head in.
0: And so the food that you're getting, the produce, they're they're pretty good because you're getting this mostly from local, um, from stores, right? From like the grocers. So why are the grocers throwing away the food if it's so good, like if if it's things that you can eat?
1: Yeah, it varies in quality, but, you know, there's just unimaginable good food there that is being thrown away, I think, for, for two reasons. Um, we live in a capitalist society, economy, and, you know, they have to manage their, their inventory, their stock. So if there's a little, like, inefficiency with their stock, then they get in a huge shipment of water bottles. They have to just move the older water bottles off the shelf, and I re- routinely find just unopened 18 packs of water bottles. Or the other day, I found probably 100 pounds of bananas that were still uh, not even ripe yet. So, and then the second reason would be uh, when you bring when people bring up their items to check out. They change their mind, what they really want to buy, and they push something to the side. Most grocery stores, rather than putting it back on the shelf, if it's perishable or something, they'll just uh, send it to the dumpster, like write it off, send it to the dumpster.
0: Wow. So I'm wondering, um, does your grocer know you by now? Like, Do they know that, oh, you know, um, Charlie we see him, he's going to come by, like, <laughs> and if that's the case, like if they do know of you, and I'm sure that, they're, like you said, there are people doing this, this is, just because this is like, kind of new to me, like, this is actually something that a lot of people do. So I would think there'd be like some sort of system, at least maybe where it's just like, I know people are going to come and want this stuff. So instead of throwing it into dumpster, maybe we just put it in crates for people to pick up. Like, why hasn't that happened? Or is that happening somewhere?
1: Yeah, just last weekend, I heard of a guy who receives all of Trader Joe's waste, and they put it to the side before they even throw in the dumpster, and he comes each week to pick, up, pick it up. And that is actually his nonprofit organization doing that. So I mean, that is one of my strategies for my FI journey to save money on my property taxes on my house uh, by declaring a nonprofit organization, but also try to catch it before it even gets to the dumpster stage and, you know, distribute it to homeless shelters and uh, Food Not Bombs, Orlando. That is in my uh, near future.
0: That's wonderful, because as you're talking, I'm like, yeah, I'm, you know, there's so much like better use for the food before it even gets to the dumpster. There's so many people who are hungry, who don't have food, like who literally do need it, like not just like because they want to save money, but because they don't even have money to feed themselves, and then all this food is going to waste. Okay, so yeah, another question of just about dumpster diving, and then I want to talk about your bigger FI journey. It's like, what's the most surprising or like best thing, best like treasure you found in the dumpster?
1: Yeah, everyone asked me that. I would say I found one night I found fifty pounds of good dark chocolate that was just like too much to handle and I uh went out of town after storing it in my freezer and I come back and my roommates had eaten all of it so I didn't even really get a much of a taste
0: (laughs) and these were all wrapped it was like wrapped like completely like
1: yeah all just completely good Uh, I just don't understand but oh well
0: Right. Better for like you and everyone else who's able to like use it and need it. Right. Okay, so, Charlie, let's go a little bit back more about your F.I. journey. So tell us where you currently are. So I know you you still have you have a full time job Mm -hmm. and, you know, you're dumpster diving to help save money on groceries. But you've also done a couple like other like cool things with your finances already at such a young age. How old are you? We didn't say it yet.
1: Yeah, I'm a 27 year old and. I was born and raised in Portland, Oregon, where I think my environmental passion grew and went to college in Boston, Massachusetts, studied economics. And now I'm here in Orlando for this job at an environmental consulting firm. And, you know, as much as I love the subject of waste, you know, it's not a job that I can see myself, you know, working for for a long duration.
0: Mm-hmm. And one of the things you're able to do is you... Bought a house, and you're like house hacking, so you're not even paying like rent, or you're not paying anything out of pocket because you're renting out rooms, right?
1: Yeah, and uh, I noticed that you're also a pretty real estate savvy person, so you know about house hacking. It it basically involves buying a house, and in order to cover the mortgage, insurance, and property taxes, you rent out the spare bedrooms. And, you know, at the very least, you're close to breaking even, but you have to factor in that extra rent money that you would be saving each month. So most of the time you're covering your expense and, you know, you do that for so many years and you might be uh, getting off scot-free. You might be done with your mortgage and really generating some passive income.
0: And so, with that, how were you able to even, like, you know, buy a home at such a young age? And, like, what prompted you to, like, make that decision? Because that's a big step. And house hacking, you know, is even the next level on, okay, being really smart about that decision in your life.
1: Well, for me personally, it did come with uh, some privilege. I did uh, get out of college without student debt and, uh, you know, a tribute to everything. Everything where I'm at right now to just being really privileged and I'm grateful for that.
0: Can we pause for a moment? Can you describe like what that privilege is? Is it because you got scholarships or because your parents were able to pay for everything other than, you know, you being seemingly a white male? right? What other privileges did you did you have to help you on your finances?
1: When I was a young kid, I had a great uncle, a relative who died, and he left me money for college
0: and see, this is why we, you know, when we talk about like generational wealth. So I'm assuming he left it. It was maybe like in his will, or
1: yeah, whatever
0: it was. Right, he left you something, and and he helped pay for your college, which helped you graduate without any debt. And so when I'm like talking uh, to juniors who are maybe not in the position that you had, where or even in my head, where you know my mom was able to also help me pay for some of my college too. It's just like, okay, so how can you set the next generation up so that you can like create generational wealth? I mean, that's like amazing to see like that benefit, that small gesture, which was a big one.
1: Well, I want to talk about the house hack because it is an option for people who don't necessarily are in the same financial position as I am. The U.S. government provides a lot of resources for people to buy a house and get a loan, at least for a house. And with a house hack, that's all you need is a loan, a bank willing to give you a loan. So if you go through these different agencies like the FHA, I believe, and there's a couple different ones more locally, but uh, once you get that, that loan and you start renting it out to other people, it's just kind of a sustainable option to pay off your mortgage and expenses while you live You're no longer renting. And you you have to look at the long. It's a long term strategy. So you're not going to be like profiting in the near term.
0: Right. And I mean, in your case, too, you mentioned you actually gave up your master bedroom. So you're in a smaller bedroom so you can get more money from the larger bedroom. So some of that stuff, too, is like that sacrifice where the quote unquote American dream is like you live in the house and, you know, you have the nice house. So in this house hacking situation, that might not be the case if because you have to upfront become like do something a little different, meaning maybe you're not living on the first floor. Maybe you're you're living in above the garage or in the basement and you're renting out the better part of the house to get more money in the short term.
1: Yeah. And if you have a yard, you know, maybe you're storing someone's boat or RV in your yard. Maybe you're allowing, you know, some beekeepers to put their beehives in your yard. I mean, those are the things I've thought about here in Orlando, even tiny homes, get them in my yard or something. So there's options. You just have to, it's a mental exercise, just got to brainstorm.
0: Oh, yeah. You got to be creative. That's the thing. And so I do love that. Yes, there are some things that you might not have been given and born with, but if you have a growth mindset, if you have a mindset where you can create, you know, you can create your situation, you can improve your situation then you could figure something out. You could become resourceful and start to kind of think through some of these things Charlie is talking about, where it's like, wow, like never thought if you live in a place where there are RV, where you have space and you can rent out to RV or beekeepers, you know, like you can become very creative with ways to save money and to create wealth.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: All right. So when did you discover FI and financial independence? Why did you decide to start on this path?
1: my FI journey really began when I moved down to Orlando. I was a couple of months in on my job and I came across a blogger named um, Thrifty Gal or her real name is uh, Anita. And I read an article in Forbes where they were claiming, you know, she retired at the age of 33 and this is how she did it. She really just kept her expenses low and Saved money, invested, and next thing you know, she was checking off all these things on her bucket list because she no longer had to show up to work every morning. So that was really motivational. I just thought, like, hey, I could do this. It's not like I had any discomfort with my job at that point, but I just like, oh, I could do this.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's sometimes all it takes is you to even see someone doing that. And so for you right now, where are you? What stage are you on your FI journey? Are you do you know how far you are away from reaching your number? Do you know what that number is? How are you figuring all that out?
1: Yeah, I would definitely recommend to FIers to track your finances, which I've been doing I have about a year and a half worth of data now just by tracking my expenses, income, but I'm not really looking at it from a, you know, one number, like a nest egg standpoint, because with those nest egg, people are assuming a lot of things. They're assuming a 4% rate of return. They're assuming that you're, I mean, no one can assume how long you're going to live. I just had a a neighbor who lived to 101 and she had to sell her home because property taxes became too expensive for her. So I'm more looking at it as I listened to your Carl Seidman episode and I'm waiting for my next mini retirement when I turn 30 in about a couple of years.
0: Right. And just for everyone who hasn't listened to that episode, that's where I talked to Carl Seidman about mini retirements and how you don't have to wait uh, 10, 15, 20 years to enjoy the life you want. You can schedule or set yourself up for a life where you're able to take breaks in between. And, you know, follow your passion, still work and make money, but also live your truth and kind of figure things out as you go. Okay, I hope you are enjoying today's episode, but let me just take a quick, quick moment to tell you about today's sponsor. Gusto. You witnessed my journey to uplevel my life, my finances, and now you're actually watching me uplevel my business. I went from being an employee to being self-employed, and the next step is becoming an employer. Hiring people to not only help me bring my vision to life, but give them opportunities and outlets to help them support themselves, their families, and their own dreams. And so I'm always looking for tools and ways in which I can effectively run my business. So if you have a business or you know someone who does, you probably know that small business owners wear lots of hats. And some of those hats are totally great, but some, like filing taxes and running payroll, for example, are not so great. That's where Gusto comes in. Gusto makes payroll taxes and HR actually easy for small businesses. Fast, simple payroll processing, benefits, and simple management tools all in one place. Gusto automatically pays and files your federal, state, and local taxes, so you don't have to worry about it. Plus, they make it easy to add on health benefits and even 401ks for your team. Hello. So for my journey of business owners, now you can get three months free when you run your first payroll. Try a demo and see it for yourself at gusto.com slash journey. Once again, that's gusto.com slash journey for three months free. All right, let's get back into this episode. in terms of just so your fi number is really just more of it's kind of probably just like piecemeal so but what does it look like for you so i know you said you didn't want to work necessarily in your full-time job anymore but what does a life of freedom look like
1: Uh, a life of freedom is probably somewhere like with a passive income somewhere around two to three k a month and you know, just minimal expenses. And once I do obtain that freedom, you know, I have a long list of things on my bucket list that I want to do involving travel, like morning yoga, enjoying my coffee in my hammock. And yeah, I mean, I, I just think that a mini retirement is definitely the next step and when I get back from the mini retirement, maybe m- my side hustle will be doing quite well and I can more go to a par- like work my work on a part time basis.
0: How are you preparing for your mini retirement? Because I know their journey is listening like, yeah, you know what? I want to take a mini retirement. I don't want to wait 10, 15 years. How do I do that in the next couple of years? So what are you doing in terms of your saving and investing to be able to take that
1: jump? Well, Um, two or three years. It seems like a far ways out right now. So I am trying to save at least 40% of my income each month. I'm looking at more real estate. Right now, Orlando's real estate market is super hot, but I live next to the largest undergraduate university in the nation, UCS, and there's a constant demand of renters. So that's a huge advantage. That I think by purchasing another real estate property, I will be able to really boost my passive income and get to that point where I can just walk away. And I mean, in my current house, once I walk away, I'll have another bedroom that I can rent out.
0: Right, right. So all smart kind of like tips. So So far, it sounds like you did a lot of things right, which is amazing. Can you talk about some of the mistakes and lessons that you've learned along the way that you can share with others?
1: Yeah, both of my lessons really relate to not having not being patient. What motivated me to really stop renting and buy a house was I just was in the worst apartment situation I'd been in in 10 years of renting. And I I viewed this apartment that, um, well, let's start with, I got kicked out of my current apartment because my landlady didn't like my cooking. So
0: Wait, what was wrong with your cooking?
1: (laughs) That was even pre-dumpster era, but she just thought it was too, I was cooking with garlic. You know, like I said, I like garlic. (laughs) It can be a little vaporous and... She just thought it was too strong. So she's like, "Yep, I'm not renewing your lease. Oh, wow. So I was looking for an apartment and I'm just tired of that whole process. So I took the first place that I I viewed. You know, next thing you know, I move in. There's German cockroaches, which are way worse than those New York cockroaches. And then I uh, pretty much was looking to rent out the other bedroom in the apartment. So it took months before I found another renter to share the the rent with me. And in that four to five months, I was just eating uh, two bedrooms worth of income. And it really wasn't sustainable. I just wanted to break the lease, which I I ended up doing when I bought my house. And it was a few thousand dollar mistake. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I would recommend to people to be patient and really think things through before, you know, making a decision.
0: Right. And when you bought your home, did you do it with through a program where you were like, how did you have the money to buy your home at that point?
1: At that point, I had some savings that was just from a few years of working. I mean, ever since I was little, I was an adamant saver. So I guess i didn't really know what I wanted to buy. So I just kept saving. Right, which is
0: like smart. I can relate to that because I just, I've always been a saver too. Um, And you know, one of the things as you were talking, even though that was a couple thousand dollar mistake, you say, or lesson going into that apartment and then having to pay break the lease and be unhappy and be in those conditions, like it prompted you, it like, it gave you that oomph, that kick to look for the place to buy. So sometimes it seems like things like they happen and you're like, oh, why is this happening? But it gives you the cat. It's like that catalyst It's that change that you need to force you to like really pivot and do something big or different, which it seems like that's what it allowed you to do.
1: Yeah, it definitely gave me a kick in the rear end and I'm much better off now. It's kind of a very satisfying feeling knowing that I won't have to deal with another landlord.
0: Mm -hmm. Let's go on to your tips could help other people now on their journey who are listening to you, you know, dumpster diving. If we just revisit that, you know, it's can be something far off for some people. So they're just like, I would never do that. So what do you say to people who are just initially are like, I'll never do that. And like, maybe it's not like we're trying to force you to do it, but what are some ways where they can also implement wasting less food and, or maybe they do want to try like out how to like get, produce from grocery stores that are just throwing it away? Well, how do you suggest that they approach that?
1: Well, uh, on that point, I would suggest that, you know, like we mentioned earlier, they could catch it even before it made it into the dumpster, which, yeah, dumpster diving can be a little sketchy at night. Uh, other people are also dumpster diving. Um, I came across a couple guys who were looking for food for their pigs. So they weren't too friendly and then uh you know there's just bad stuff happening behind stores but I would recommend to them to think of it from a a larger standpoint and try to start their own nonprofits or you know just have a conversation with the store managers say that they'd be happy to accept the items they're going to throw away or I mean you could even go up the ladder Uh, to corporate, and that would make a a huge difference. Because, you know, if I'm rescuing 800 pounds in, like, two months, I mean, I imagine there's thousands of pounds being thrown out every month.
0: Right, and that's just from one store, right?
1: That's just from one store, yeah.
0: Okay, and, you know, as one thing I wanted to mention is that this concept of dumpster diving, I think... I heard this explained and we had talked to this concept another, on another episode, even this idea of financial independence and what some people actually go through to reach it, that frugality aspect and that, you know, being, you know, very simple. And so even this concept of dumpster diving is that for some people, like if you come from poverty or maybe you didn't directly, but your, your generations before you did, then like the choice to go, like to do the things that probably people, who don't have a choice to do. So people who are in poor situations, or generations before you that didn't have the money, like to choose to do that for some people seems like a step backwards, because you know, the whole goal is to kind of elevate and to do better and to not be in poverty. So I think sometimes the pushback even for me is, you know, when I, I interviewed my mom the, the other day, and she on the podcast, and for her, it's just like, she had to escape that kind of poverty, her, her parents and further beyond like came from that kind of world where there wasn't necessarily always abundance of food in the house and so to kind of like go from that to like choosing that can sometimes be a leap for some people because it's like why am i doing that like i'm supposed to be in a better position like i'm not supposed to be dumpster diving i'm supposed to be able to walk into a store and buy what i want so i think for that might be a conflict for some people
1: Uh, yeah i definitely see that it's kind of just a hobby for me and the other people i meet on instagram but if you're thinking of saving money on groceries, you can still go to the store. And before I started dumpster diving, I was buying mainly just produce. I had my staples like rice or pasta, some bread, but I would just buy produce each week and it would kind of cycle around those staples. And if you're doing your own cooking, not eating out, you're saving much more than you would be otherwise. You don't have to necessarily be a dumpster diver. You can keep your integrity intact if that's how you feel.
0: If that's you, how you hold on to it. And I'm, by the way, I'm not saying that if you dumpster dive, you don't have, you know, integrity. Not not what I'm saying at all. So in terms of just other things that you did to really push your finances forward, other than dumpster diving, saving money on groceries, what's some just overall tips? Anything left that you want to say to journeyers to encourage them to fuel them on their path?
1: Well, I would say that be super creative. If there's something, some idea you have, and it's very far out in the future, just think of all the possibilities of achieving it. Like you could look at it from different angles. For example, I mean, I, I wanted to mention my side hustle. I had a, one of my roommates who moved in on the house hack He has a green thumb and he's very agriculturally savvy. So I was able to have big enough yard where he could start a small market garden. And right now we're ramping up an operation to start growing uh, greens and microgreens in order to sell to restaurants and maybe farmer's markets. So it's no work that I need to do, but I'm allowing him to use the space and in return, you know, I'm generating a little of the profit. So it's it's pretty good passive income. And, you know, it could eventually lead to more because I really like farming and gardening myself.
0: Right. Basically, just finding more and more ways to be creative, to use what you have to obtain more and to generate more.
1: Yeah. And I would the other thing I would recommend is to be a doer rather than it's good to Think about the things you do beforehand but before you really jump into something think about it and then pull the trigger and do it i feel like too many people imagine themselves in a situation of fi but they're not willing to take the necessary steps you got to be actionable
0: Right, right. So that means after you get some inspiration and maybe some light bulbs went off from this conversation with Charlie, write them down, figure out what you can implement in your life today, what you can start doing that's going to put you closer to your goals. So Charlie, I just want to thank you so much for coming on, sharing your story. Please let people know where they can find you. You have a blog, you're on Instagram, share that information.
1: Thank you so much, Jamila. This has been great. You can find me at Trash. Becomes treasure.com. That is my blog. And also, I have an Instagram. My name is Mr. Dumpster Divington. And I also have a Twitter. It's my professional Twitter. Uh, it's Pioli121. And that's where I kind of share things more industry related. So, yeah, we got a, another waste composition study coming up in a couple of years. Hopefully, the city doesn't waste so much.
0: Right, right. Well, I will share all those links in the show notes for this episode. Charlie, thank you so much once again for coming on and sharing your journey or story.
1: Jamila, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you.
0: I really hope you enjoyed that conversation with Charlie. I actually got some really good tips from him. Some things I didn't know um, really about just like how much money is wasted, like grocery shopping and how much these grocery chain stores actually end up throwing away pretty good and decent food. So I hope you got something from it. And even if you're not going to dumpster dive, like what can you do differently when it comes to saving on one of the top three expenses in your budget, which is groceries. Now, if you want the episode show notes, you can go to journey to Launch dot com slash episode 102. And as always, let me know your biggest takeaway or something that piqued interest for you from the episode. So at me at journey to launch on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. Also, don't forget to tell a family or friend about this. Just send them the link to the episode wherever you're listening. Usually they have a link where it says share. So share this episode with your family and friends. Let's get them on the journey to financial freedom. All right. And don't forget launch club doors. That's the membership community for launch club members are currently closed, but they're opening soon. So get on the list. So you're the first to know that's journey to launch.com slash launch club. So until next week, keep on journeying journeyers.